Welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast. My name is Lou Perez. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to theluperez.locals.com and join the Lou Perez community. If you join, you'll get to listen to the podcast early. You'll get to watch my sketch comedy early, as well as experience other exclusive content. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you're looking for another way to support me, you can do so by supporting my sponsors. So if you're into cold brew, I highly recommend Black Organic Cold Brew. Head over to www.blvckbrew.com and use promo code LOU, that's L-O-U, and you'll get free shipping. And if you're into CBD products, please check out Paloma Verde, www.palomaverdestore.com. And if you use the code LOU, you'll get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you sign up for email, you'll get an extra 10% off as well. All right, here we go. I am very happy to be joined by these two gentlemen. I know them as Mark Clare and Brian McWilliams, but you might know them as the Lions of Liberty. Guys, thank you. Thanks for coming. What's up? Or, or, or my stripper name, Johnny Cherry. Johnny That's Cherry. Right. Nice. Yeah, well, I've got a bald head, and sometimes I get real hot, and my head kind of gets a little red tint to it. So, you know, the cherry and, uh, and you know. The things I do to the ladies, you Mine know, tying ch- cherry Steve, stems Steve, in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is the first time I'm actually like I'm, having both you guys up on screen. I'm like, whoa, you guys are like at the opposite ends of the hair spectrum. You know, so yeah. Brian, Brian has a very, you know, uh, Jason Statham thing going on. And Mark's yeah. got a, not the sex appeal. It's been a while since I've seen a guy like, who would you, got, who uh, you get? Brad Pitt in World War Z is what I'm going to go with. Nice. Yeah, I, I can see it. that. The peak hair. You know, I think that was an underrated movie. I, I I did enjoy yeah. that movie. Um, I well, let's not talk too much about Israel, though, because, you know, Michael Che just made a, uh, a joke on Saturday Night Live that I think effectively they're trying to cancel him right now just for joking about vaccines in Israel. So uh, third rail. Yeah, well, I, uh, I missed that joke. What was the joke? Was it funny, at least? Well, what now you're it? trying to get me canceled. Yeah. Was, all right, I'll tell you what the joke. So was I can run first. this place. It, it was real short, and uh, it was just, he goes, oh, Israel says they vaccinated 50% of their population. I'm going to guess it was the Jewish half. I mean, that's true and funny. It, it, it's, yeah. yeah. It, they, they point, uh, I, I think the joke points out who really runs Hollywood, and that's Hamas. So, you know. <laughs> but so, they were democratically elected. We tried to stop it, but they got it. <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, I'm very interested to to know how you guys started. You know, how did Lions of Liberty uh, come about? And, you know, we'll take it from well, there. Where? There's so many places to start here, really. But, uh, well, I guess I guess it really starts uh, in college for both of us, because uh, Brian and I were, um, believe it or not, members of the same fraternity, Phi Kappa Tau, Penn State University. So that is where we first encountered each other. But that's probably about... A decade before the all this political stuff came up, um, I, I first got into Ron Paul actually from another how another college friend named Howie. He was a part of our podcast now, and he he was a an, a, a baby a congressional page they're called when he was in high school. He basically was basically like an internship for a congressman, um, and he didn't work. He worked for some Democratic congressman from Pennsylvania, but he ended up meeting this guy Ron Paul while he was there, and he would go to all his speeches, and he sometimes would go to his office and like talk about liberty. And he told me about this guy in college, and I was like, why is this? drunk guy telling me about this old congressman i don't know what's going on here but uh he talked about it enough and was excited about it enough that eventually i started reading ron paul's column at the time it was called texas straight talk and what stood out to me especially growing up in a republican household is that like all of his columns at the time were just criticizing republicans he was criticizing everything republicans were doing the war on drugs uh the war overseas the war on terror and i was just it just struck me like here's this republican and he's just criticizing Republicans. So that really stood out to me because I'm, I, as far as I had known, Republicans criticize Democrats, Democrats criticize Republicans, and that's just the way it is. So he he was the first really person to break me out of that paradigm and start to see things differently. And, and what I realized is it's because he's looking at things from a point of principle, from a specific point of view. And that's kind of what sent me down the path basically to, to learning about this stuff. But um, fast forward to 2008 and he ran for president. I got excited about it. I was a psychopath posting Ron Paul videos on 
on MySpace of all places. Uh, and I started to tell everybody I could encounter about him, including uh, Brian, who was a, a, a steadfast drinking partner of mine in, in Los Angeles at that time. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Mark and just I think you were about only maybe a year in probably at that point to Los Angeles when you moved out here, right? Completely false time frame. Now I, I moved here in 2004 oh, okay. and this is like 2007. Oh, okay. Well, it was a while later. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Mark came out and, you know, it, it, politics didn't come up. It didn't play a big role in our lives. And then it suddenly became oddly enough because of Ron Paul. I mean, he was a very inspiring figure, obviously, you know, this guy that's telling the truth that's that had Texas straight talking it right in your face. And there was that epic Giuliani moment where uh, Ron Paul called out, the war state, the fact that we're getting this blowback, you know, and maybe there's a reason 9-11 happened. Uh, fun fact, I was working at Hooters during 9-11. So there you go. Uh, yes, true story. I do remember we would often go to Hooters for wings while Brian was working just to. Not on 9-11, though. They didn't come in that not day. Not on 9-11. Yeah, very, that night, we're like, hey, everybody, wings? <laughs> So, but yeah, but you know, Mark had, had talked to me about Ron Paul and we actually went door to door for Ron Paul. And that was one of the most eye-opening and frustrating experiences because you had this guy, which we talked to, you know, a 90% Democrats and you go door to door and most people go, you know what? I, yeah, I like him. I, I actually like what he has to say. I think he's right on most issues, but I, I'm not going to vote for him. And you go, mm -hmm. okay, well, that's very aggravating. Why? And they go, well, cause he won't win. Mm. And that really brought to the forefront that, two, that how the two-party system has really ingrained itself in people's brains so thoroughly. And you can see how it really owns the way people move, the way they want to feel like they're winning and voting for a team. They want to feel as though they've, they've achieved a specific victory if their candidate wins, even though their candidate is so far removed from their daily lives. So that kicks us off into doing a whole, you know, the Lions Liberty website. Uh, for a long time, we did articles posting on the Daily Paul um, got a lot of web traffic that way. And then foolishly, we're focusing on web traffic until Mark realized the future. Mark? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Accidentally realized the future. Uh, yeah. At, at some point, I just found myself, this is a time in my life where I was, you know, I was working maybe a couple days a week out here in LA. So I had a lot of free time uh, and I would spend a lot of that time, no matter what I was doing, I would found myself listening to podcasts. It was just a thing I really enjoyed doing. And, but I, I couldn't really find libertarian podcasts, which might seem like an insane thing right now because you can't not find libertarian podcasts. Right. Now there's like hundreds of thousands of them, but at the time there really wasn't many. There was like Lou Rockwell had some sometimes uh, I think Cato had some, pretty boring podcast but there wasn't really the kind of like interesting fun podcast that i was looking for or any that were out there on a consistent basis so i decided okay i guess i want to hear a libertarian podcast i want to hear a podcast every week i want to hear an interview with somebody about how they you know came into these ideas so i guess i have to start that because it doesn't exist so i just kind of did some fast and, and research what, and, and what brought both you guys to uh to los angeles to to begin with what were you i followed him Chase he followed, he followed me like it was like it follows we had fucked one time and then he just kept on following me wherever i went I mean, is uh, that the plot is that the plot that it follows? I haven't <laughs> yeah, seen you that never see did, did i just well, did i just well i spoil this shit for me <laughs> no no it gets it, it, it comes out right in the beginning oh you got to watch it follows it's a great yeah, movie the first great great out movie the whole scenario but yeah, it's it's gross and hilarious i watch of it now instead of whatever we're going to talk yeah what are we doing i know You've got limited time. I know where you're at recording there, Lou, but um, yeah. So, I mean, I moved to Los Angeles because I, I've always wanted to be a writer. I went to Engl you know, Penn State. I majored in English with a writing emphasis. Uh, creativity and creative bent is kind of what I have. And, and so I moved here to be a writer, you know, realizing it'd be difficult. And then I got here and I was like, oh, this is impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> Yeah, because you know it's like you have to. You already you this have guy to know people. He's going to be writing in a Hollywood script and working on yeah, a movie like three you, months you in. To, exactly, you have to know people before you know people. It's just it's ridiculous. So I caught out here, and I'm you know I'm just kind of trying to throw my uh, throw my seed and throw my talent around equally and failing on both counts, and um, ended up working in public relations, which is what I do now. But that actually kind of bleeds into what we've been doing lately with the podcast. Well, because, you know, we've been doing it for so long. So my show, Electric Liberty Land, is Wednesdays on culture, comedy, and, uh, I don't know, politics, current Sometimes events. Sometimes liberty. Sometimes liberty. Um, but a lot of it now has been focused on, because we're in this kind of culture war, because the Libertarian Party, which I was not a member of for a long time until, like, the last cycle, basically, was so bad at messaging and just so awful at communicating their values. And that's where, you know, what you've been doing, Lou, is so effective. You know, comedy is so effective uh, in in cutting through and and telling people like uh, pointing out the absurdities of what's going on. And the Libertarian Party has just been atrocious at it 
for many reasons. So the PR aspect kind of has come into the messaging and trying to figure out what the best strategy is, what to emphasize, what not to emphasize and trying to push it forward that way. So that's what brought me to LA and is kind of tying into what I'm doing now. So the writing, the comedy, I did stand-up comedy for, you know, several years and, and now uh, public relations, which God, God willing, I won't have to do much longer. Well, I definitely want to talk to you guys about um, the LP, the Libertarian Party, because uh, I'm, I'm not a member uh, of the LP. I've, I've been fortunate enough to do, um, you know, to, to speak at, at, at different uh, conventions, to, to perform and all that. Uh, and I'm really, you know, really happy to have uh, those relationships. But uh, so I'm kind of, a, kind of I'm on the, I'm kind of on the outside and I'm looking in and I have no idea what's going on with the warring between the personalities uh, libertarian personalities and you guys have done like a really good job like in particular mark like bringing together these warring factions and having them debate and, and, and have it out um, can you what what's going on because I think I think for a lot of people uh, you know if, if you if all you know really is like Republicans and Democrats you look at the libertarian party kind of like like oh those are the kids who play Dungeons and Dragons and I'm a jock and I don't really know what those rules are. And it's kind of weird. And, oh, they're, they're really upset about. It's a pretty good you know, analogy. You know, they're really upset I'm about like something. I'm a nerd to you. Check out these pythons, bro. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that is the perception, I think, of a lot of people in, in mainstream <laughs> politics. Like the, the libertarians are just these, these weird kids doing their own thing in their mom's basement. And who knows what it's really all about. Yeah. And, and so, so what is, what is going on? I know, I know like one of the, probably like the, the biggest stuff has to do with like the Mises caucus and, you know, maybe you could explain, you know, what that is in particular. And sure. Let's see where to even start. Um, the Mises caucus is basically uh well, it's a, the libertarian party has like a million caucuses. They're basically just groups within the party that have a certain, whether it's a, a bent to the ideology or a certain thing they want to emphasize or a certain strategy about them. And these groups just kind of form for the purposes of, of organizing within within the larger organization, basically. But the Mises Caucus was founded, I, I would say, in many ways, a response, a direct response to the Gary Johnson and more specifically Bill Weld portion of the Gary Johnson Bill Weld campaign. Um, by it was founded by a guy named Michael Heiss, but his idea was really at the core to put out messaging much more similar to that of Ron Paul, um, much more similar to what he and others would claim to be a more hardcore, pure libertarian message. Because if you're going to have a smaller party like this, you know, there's the pragmatics that are, I say, I'd say we're probably, are probably more of the opposition to the Mises types who are really want to focus on, you know, the mechanics of winning elections, this and that, which I guess if you're a political party, that's part of what you have to do. But uh, I think the focus of the Mises caucus is really just on messaging and getting the messaging um, down and getting the, and emphasizing the most important things, which they and I would agree uh, largely that they're the, th the important things for libertarians to emphasize would be foreign po policy, uh, monetary policy with the Federal Reserve, the war on drugs. Th those would be the primary three things. And yeah, pri are, private property rights is a big one as well. Yeah, and the, the, that yeah, because there was also a pushback. There was also a little bit of a a socialist movement trying to get into the the party about four years ago. That has basically died out uh, almost altogether. I think largely because of the existence of, of the Mises Caucus. So um, yeah, that that's the that's the idea behind it. But it has faced resistance largely and and possibly you know due to the fact that they also use uh, language. Uh, they, they like to use the word takeover in referring to the party. And that, mm -hmm. that has rubbed many people the wrong way. <laughs> many people have been around the party for 10, 15, 20 years. Don't like the idea of being quote unquote taken over, which I guess you can understand at some point, but really what they want to do is take over the messaging and, and get the messaging on track to what a libertarian message should be. And uh, I think uh, many people would, would agree, even those that aren't necessarily supporters of the Mises caucus would agree that the messaging of Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, it was basically Democrat light at, at, at best at, at most times, sometimes Republican light, uh, but yeah. never really truly a, a libertarian message. I uh, did, when uh, when Johnson and Weld were running, I um, I was a part of a comedy tour. I think it was I think it was, was probably called the Liberty Tour because every fucking thing, um, uh, <laughs> every, everything libertarian, we, you know, we got to have liberty in there. Uh, and we were touring around doing small comedy shows to try to get Gary Johnson onto the debate stage. 
And then when that portion uh, finished and he wasn't invited to any de debates, uh, I ended up- Great uh, job, jerks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Well done. I, end, I ended up- <laughs> Knocked it out of the ballpark. I know my, 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 uh, my, my stand-up bits really, you know, really moved the needle on that. And uh, so, so after that, I performed at his, the final stop on his campaign tour, which was in San Diego. And I think, oh, nice. I think it may have been, may have been the house of blues in San Diego. I'm trying to, trying to think about it. Um, and at that time I was living in New York um, and, and I had uh, flown over to San Diego to, uh, you know, to perform. And uh, one of my opening jokes uh, was, you know, I'm so happy to be here. Um, just so you guys know, I have to leave early right after my set because I have to catch a flight to go back to New York so I can vote for Gary Johnson tomorrow. <sighs> you know, and people, you know, we're, we're cheering. And I said, because we know if I don't vote for him, there's no way he's winning New York. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it was, a, you know, it was a fun, you know, get together. It is, you know, it is what it, it was what it was. But um, the dude didn't show up. Gary Johnson. Are you fucking serious? To his own event. To his own event. I don't, you know, I don't know if maybe he made an appearance at some point in the evening or maybe he. Uh, he probably he, smoked too much pot and forgot. Yeah, maybe. But it, <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, what are we, you know, what are we doing here? You know, like what's, you know, what what's going on here? And yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking, it, coincidentally, I was, I got a call. Uh, I was talking to Michael, who's heading up the, the Mises Caucus today. We're talking about the different uh, cockeye. And, you know, like Mark said, messaging is a big thing. And I think that's kind of indicative of the problem with a lot of candidates with the Libertarian Party. And that's where the, what we're trying to do. And, and you know, we're not outwardly uh, Mises Caucus guys, but we're talking frankly here. But yeah. candidate selection is important. And, and the Libertarian Party has fallen into this habit of kind of falling back on whatever guy comes our way that happens to have some name recognition. Like Gary Johnson, nice guy. I voted for him. I thought he was a nice guy. I thought that he was not exactly the best flag bearer because he was not that articulate. He was not great at, at really expressing the message like a Ron Paul. You know, a Ron Paul, he could, he really could nail it. Maybe he'd bore people a little bit if he got it too deep in the weeds. That was his problem. But Gary Johnson just wasn't that guy. He wasn't lighting a fire under anybody's ass. And then Bill Weld was just awful. Bill Weld, who was hawking for Hillary Clinton while he's still running with Gary Johnson, you know, problematic. But that's the, the thing. The last like, story in that whole thing, everyone says, you know, he endorsed Hillary. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. He didn't quite use those words. But the last story in that is that on that appearance where he was talking to Hillary Clinton, he didn't even like mention the Libertarian Party. He didn't right. even mention that he, he, he by the way, where you, may, you might want to vote for me and Gary Johnson. No, it was just defending Hillary Clinton. So I don't care if he endorsed her, endorsed her or didn't. He didn't even talk about the thing he's supposed to actually be there running for. Why, yeah. why, do, you think, uh, why do you think Bill Weld in particular, you know, wanted to go down that route? Because I, I remember um, it, well, it's, it, we're in a small world. So I've done events where Bill Weld has spoken. Um, I've, um, I remember I came back from, uh, from DC, um, after uh, doing an event, I think it was like students for Liberty coming back. Bill Weld was on the same train and there's something where I'm just like, like, here's a guy, you know, both uh, Snakes on a plane, Weld's on a train, <laughs> <laughs> but both of these guys were, you know, um, two term governors, you know, which is, which is, you know, a, a pretty great accomplishment, you know, if you, uh, you know, compare that to, to a lot of things, especially in politics. And it's like, what do, why, why, why are you, why are you going this route? You know, if you're not well, going to go all the way, you know, it just seems, it just seems like lower, it, it's the low bar to jump over. Right. And, and that's the problem. We were talking about libertarians having this concept of, Oh, these are the guys that play Dungeons and Dragons in the basement. A lot of libertarians have that concept. I mean, a lot of what we try to do at Lions of Liberty and, and a lot of the people we've seen come into the movement, you know, I mean, Lou, you're a great example of, look, we're outgoing we're funny, we're likable, we're not, we're not the epitome of the libertarian as is the stereotype. But mm -hmm. I think there is a large, a very large portion of the populace that is, that is that stereotype. And when you have somebody, right, when you have a Gary Johnson or a Bill Weld come over and they've been two-term governors, right? It's like, oh, the pretty girl wants to dance with us for the mm. first time ever. So we, they bend over and they spread their legs and then that's what happens. And these guys know that the Libertarian Party, especially the Pragmatic Caucus, who just says, we just want to get, you know, 
3% of the vote. We don't want to, we, don't, we just want somebody that's going to appeal to whoever's not happy with the ruling class elites that are put forward by either party. They will gladly welcome them in, get that pretty girl in, and they know that. So Gary Johnson, Bill Weld, whoever, you know, uh, you, all, you had a, a few other people try to get into the party. What was it, Mark? Do you remember the, the one guy that was trying to worm his way in? Um, older senator. He's like a former senator. Slobodan uh, Milosevic. That was him. Are you talking about Lincoln Lincoln Chafee? Lincoln Chafee. Lincoln Chafee. Look, I Lincoln interviewed Chafee, him. He was a nice uh, guy. He's a perfectly nice guy. He's not That's where it a is. libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a libertarian. But he, he the same thing. He goes, well, these sluts will fuck me. So why don't I go with that? But they didn't. Yeah, and I, believe it or not, they didn't. I couldn't believe it. I, I, for, there was, was a time I thought, oh, this is, he's going to be the nominee. This is it. The next establishment yeah. guy is going to come in. And and I think that's a positive sign that even though Joe, Joe Jorgensen wasn't the most inspiring candidate, to say the least, um, no. considering where we had come from the previous candidates, considering before that we had Johnson Weld, we had Johnson before that, and we had Bob Barr before that, she is the most libertarian presidential candidate in the last 20 years, and that's not uh, but, really But close. yet had some of the shittiest, most woke garbage messaging. I mean, I, I, we both, Mark and I both were railing about this on our respective shows. I mean, on the one, I was pointing out the one, you know, Black Lives Matter, of course, was a, a huge cultural uh, happening. And I remember when it happened, the Libertarian Party basically came out and was like, you know, we have to be actively anti-racist, something that is at its core very anti-libertarian because to be actively anti, how can you be actively anti-racist? Those are trying to force people into something. And another thing that really just drove me insane was Kamala Harris enters the race, right, as VP. And Joe Jorgensen, a woman running for president, puts out this messaging saying, hey, welcome, it's great to have another woman in the race as mm. VP. Now, let's look at this empirically. Who are you trying to reach with that message? People that want to vote for a woman? Okay, well, if they're going to vote for a woman and they want to see a woman get in power, are they going to vote for you, third-party candidate nobody gives a flying fuck about, or are they going to vote for Kamala Harris running on the Democratic ticket with Joe Biden, who is vice president to Barack Obama? Right. Tell me which way. Am I crazy? <laughs> I think I think my favorite awkward Joe Jorgensen moment is when she asked Dave Rubin to, uh, if she would vote for him on, on a live show he was doing, and he just like – there's this awkward <laughs> moment and i think there's a video of it with the curb your enthusiasm music over it uh but he's like yeah no, i'm not gonna yeah, and oddly gonna, and oddly uh, enough uh, sorry sorry let me just say tell us real quick lou uh oddly enough so i had this panel with dave rubin dave smith from part of the problem and uh and eric brake he was a former senator state senator from maine and dave smith said dave rubin will you vote for me and dave rubin said yes 100%. <laughs> He'll, Dave Rubin will vote for the comedian, the anarchist comedian over Joe Jorgensen, no problem. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things, too, where you, you bring up, you know, you bring up Dave, uh, Dave Smith. And I mean, over the past year, for sure, I mean, I think Dave has really been on point with messaging. Like he's, uh, I mean, obviously, he's a very popular guy, very talented. He has followers. He's making noise. You know, and mm -hmm. and it's so odd to see so many people and, and I've met Dave and I, you know, always had a good, you know, good experience with him. And I like Dave. And it's like, man, why are all the libertarians coming after the people that I like and that also yeah. have like what I think really great messaging? And so for me, it's almost like like, am because I, Nick can Fuentes. I be in this? Can I be in this party? I don't know. I'm like, because he was nice to I, Nick Fuentes once. Mm -hmm. So that's well, now, now, we, now that the opening's there, I'll, I'll text you after the show, Lou, about, uh, we'll see, we'll see. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little more, but no, exactly, man. It's like, and the Tom Woods is of the world, right? Tom Woods, right. great. The nicest guy in the world. You know, we got him to curse on a show of ours one time. And that was like the biggest deal ever. My 500 Super episode guy. features a Tom Woods F-bomb. Check it out. Lions Liberty 500. <laughs> So, but, but the sweetest people, the most outgoing people, the most, the people that are most welcoming everybody into the tent, to your point, they're getting attacked and ripped online from these people that are on this kind of left pragmatic uh, side and over just nonsense, you know, saying that it's an, a, that they're anti, uh, I don't know, that they're racist, that they're somehow alt-right, which is, a, and again, an all-encompassing phrase that means nothing. It's just a slur like anything. And it's, it, it honestly, it's sickening to see people that are interested in freedom and liberty, at least on the surface, adopt the left's wording, 
adopt these phrases that we all know mean nothing and are just simply designed specifically to, to lambast somebody you don't agree with. But to your greater point, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and, and I've been seeing things recently about like, like Ron Paul coming back up um, and not like, oh, you remember how Ron Paul, you know, stood up to Giuliani. You remember how Ron Paul was consistent on, you know, being against the war on drugs. It's uh, Ron Paul, bad guy. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, in, in, in what sense is he a bad guy? Now, now, maybe, you know, you guys could explain to me. I, I know there was some there was some controversy with articles, that, that were, newsletters and, and that's sort of, which I've never read his newsletters. I think they were probably before my time. Um, you had to literally yeah, the only way to read those newsletters is literally to have scan photocopies of them and i'm not i'm not making that up they are they're so old that they are literally written mailed newsletters mm. and which he did not personally write so they were basically you know and, and you could argue here's you could argue he should have had better oversight he he hired people to write these and ghostwrite them they got put out under his name that's the argument you could make but at the same time the man the argument there weren't really racist newsletters like they really uh, i weren't. would agree there's a couple I, I, there's a couple words in there that but if you actually break justin armando may he rest in peace wrote an entire article breaking down the racism in the newsletters and if you're looking for racism sure but if you're a normal human being and yeah it's a little off color for the the not to be off color but <laughs> for the uh the, <laughs> but the 90s but you know it's it's kind of just how conservatives talked in the 90s that does that make it right no but it's it's not like this blatant outright racism as it is often portrayed and, and i think it you know it's sort of a testament to the times that we're living in too where uh you know what becomes most important is you know these these newsletters as opposed to the policies that this person supported and was pushing and uh, a little while ago I, I i tweeted out a poll asking you know, what would you prefer? Would you prefer a um, an anti-racist warmonger or a racist anti-war activist? And, you know, a in lot a country of people in the Libertarian Party would choose the latter. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things like what really, you know, let's talk about what's really important, what's going to have the most uh, impact, you know, the biggest uh, impact on, you know, millions of lives, not only here in the country, but also around the world. And, mm -hmm. You know, let's get a. You know, let's let's cut out the bullshit. I don't know. Yeah. And what, what's more racist than than bombing a bunch of brown people at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, but. literally. I mean, and all and when you look at the broader, you know, we're talking about what's the broader body of work. With Ron Paul, there is a broad body of work, with the exception of these very few things that you can clearly point to. But you hit it right on the head in that our culture right now is so focused on it's. Again, it's broken down and not into a, a really even a moral ideology. It's broken down to these super psychotic, ultra-focused echo chamber ideologies, wherein if anybody disagrees with you on anything, that's grounds to destroy them. And it doesn't matter if you take something out of context. I mean, half the stuff you see people canceled for isn't even uh, you know a Ron Paul newsletter. It's something so inconsequential, pulled out of context in the broader context of a conversation that they use to demonize you and poison you and, and attack you and demonize you, even though you might agree with them on 80%, you know, and, mm -hmm. and like you're saying, you could be an anti, we're like, I mean, what's, um, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Ali. There's a, like, I think she's Nigerian or Somali. I think oh, she's uh, a Somali. Ayan, Ayan Hirsi Ali. I, yes. Ayan Hirsi Ali. The left has demonized this woman who is a survivor. She's fighting for freedom. She's fighting for equality. She's fighting for people to stop generally mutilating women in her home country. And the left has made her into a no-no word. This woman who I guarantee they agree with on 85% of things, but for some reason she crossed some third rail and now they have to demonize her. It is a, I mean, it is legitimately a sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of it's it's one of these things too where um, I'm I'm so used to, and I think we're, we're so used to seeing charges of racism, charges of sexism, and all that, and seeing where how that's been used, you know, over the past you know five years or so. Where now, when I see it against people who, um, for the most part, are pushing a you know a a, a, a 
a, a libertarian, you know, ethos or or philosophy, I'm more reluctant to be like, hold on, I, I can't, I can't jump on that bandwagon. Like, if you want, if you want me to join a lynch mob, you have to show me more evidence than rope. I mean, that that's that's yeah. just that's just how it is. And you know, and and I, uh, I I've. I've had like, say like figures like, uh, like Maj Touré. I had him on when I was with, we, the internet. I oh, got he's the white supremacist too. Did you yeah. Know yeah. That? yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I <laughs> got how to... it works now. <laughs> you know? I wish I was joking. I really do. I know. I know. That's the funny thing. I'm, you know, I'm actually seeing that accusation. Jesus. Well, um, well with Maj, I know Maj has been, been very vocal about, about masks and he's not, um, I, he's called COVID a hoax, you know? I disagree with him on that. I disagree with him on the on you know mass stuff, the the hoax stuff, whatever. What's so important to me is that Maj is doing so much great work spreading the idea of 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 you have a Second Amendment right. Uh, people in urban communities, you, your rights are being violated when mm -hmm. uh, the government is saying that you can't you can't arm and defend yourself. And not only is he saying arm and defend yourself, he's training people how to safely. Um, carry how to safely handle firearms, and he's also, from what I, from what I know from you know doing the show, um, he's also a pretty upstanding dude when it comes to the relationships that I know. He's a dude that people can look up to and say, oh, you know what? I don't have to agree with him on every, everything, but man, this guy is really making an impact. And let's see how we can work together and 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 uh, and but move he, things he, forward. He told a he told a donor to suck his dick. So, yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing is that's what's lost in society. I, I you know, now we're getting real I philosophical. Think to, suck, but... to suck a dick, not a, not his dick specifically, I believe. Well, everybody's told somebody to suck a dick. And that's it's also that's the well, point. it's a, it's a it's cultural. Like... Well, well, also it's a cultural thing too because I've I've been I've been you know seeing the stuff where it where there where if you come at me, you know, depending on where I'm from, there's there's a way of I, I think I, I don't know if it was. Was it him and Nicholas Sarwar? I think had like a, <laughs> had a beef going, and and I don't know, you know, I don't know. I've never met Nick. Um, I don't, you know. I'm we sure have a, we haven't we haven't several several occasions, and once hilariously when he was uh, dolled up in full makeup at Pork Fest one time. Oh wow! <laughs> and I may have been under the influence of some sort of uh, fungus. We but we may have, we may have all been under the influence of some sort of fun, fungus. <laughs> Not Nick, by the way. He, he came up to talk to me. I've talked to him before. He, he's actually a nice enough guy in person but he came up to me at one point in this, in this makeup at pork fest and i was like i can't handle it right now he's like oh, are you are you on as like yeah he's like i understand <laughs> yeah well i get well i mean i guess in a way that kind of talks about what we're, what we're referencing in a wider spectrum look nick sarwark uh former chair who those who don't know he was the former chair of the libertarian party mm -hmm. so he is a fucking asshole online and he honestly is an asshole in a lot of meetings and i don't i don't agree with his messaging i don't agree with a lot of what he has to say but, you know, if you get down and you talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, you can have a conversation. Maj Touré, you know, you say you don't agree with him on the mask, but you guys, you see beyond that, you can have a conversation with the guy. And because you disagree on two things, obviously, you get along with him on everything else. And that's what really should matter. But we've lost that ability. Mm -hmm. and, and also, it, you know, there's a way that I, I talk to people um, that, you know, um, that I am... Uh, I don't know, uh, especially if I'm, if I if I if I feel like I'm I'm with friends or with allies, you know, I'm going to talk to them differently. I'm going to give them, um, you know, give them the benefit of the, of the doubt. And I yeah. and you know, I I saw that stuff with uh, with Dave Smith, where I'm like, you know, here you have people in the LP giving the benefit of the doubt and or going into a conversation um, in good faith with members of BLM and not doing the same thing with Dave right. Smith. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, at least, at least, at least, you know, fathom, you know, the idea of, you know, Dave Smith is not only a commentator, he's a comedian and an entertainer that the conversations that he's having on his podcast, there's a mixture of entertainment, of comedy, of insight and all that. And, you know, uh, controversy, he enjoy, you know, enjoys controversy. He's willing to go, you know, to go there there's there's something there there's a lot of good stuff happening there and to just you know try to close the door on this guy but yet you know uh i, I don't know it, it it as like i said like sort of as a, as an outsider i'm like what the fuck is going what's going on here and dave's been his biggest critics ultimately when you really get to know him a little bit and see what the kind of people they are online and the kind of things they say it comes down to this they are humorless people they are mm. completely humorless people and yeah. can't comprehend 
edgy humor, humor that goes outside the box. They can't comprehend can any kind of humor, really, any kind of, um, you know, any, anything that goes out of the mainstream narrative of what what is safe and respectable, which Dave does all the time because he's actually a funny comedian. And yeah. that's what comedy is. It's supposed to snap you out of out of your norms. It's supposed to shock you a bit. And that's the kind of humor Dave does uh, in his own stand-up. It's the kind of humor he does with Legion of Skanks. And, of course, that bleeds into what he does on part of the problem. Uh, but now it's so ridiculous that if he has someone on, like Nick Fuentes, who has made um, jokes about the Holocaust, yes, um, but now because Dave had that person on and didn't spend the entire hour and a half berating him about that joke, that means Dave, the Jewish Dave Smith, is an anti-Semite to these right. humorless people. Yeah, I have a, I have a joke where I say um, um, the problem the libertarians have with the, the Holocaust is that it was carried out by the state and not the free market. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me. I, Come at all me. right, look. While we're doing Holocaust, while we're doing Holocaust related jokes, can I tell you mine? My uh, one of my most popular. While we're getting canceled, we may as well. Right. While we're getting canceled, let's do it. So I have a joke. I was I used to tell a lot when I was doing stand up, and I said I have an idea. I'm a businessman. I'm a libertarian, an entrepreneur, a free market guy. So I have this idea to have a kosher hot dog stand called Anne's Franks, and you know, nothing big, just a little hole in the wall. Yeah, nothing special. We have one special. It's called the Attic Dog. It's just a regular hot dog, but you have to eat it very quietly. <laughs> so anyway, there's that joke. You hear that, Prags? <laughs> Brian's the anti-Semite. He's got the shaved head, and I want, he's not. I want, I want everyone. I want everyone to notice that we stopped the show and get and put the spotlight on Brian, so Brian could deliver. The uh, the Anne Frank's uh, the Anne Frank's. Thank you. Look, that joke. Oh, I, I I shit you not though. That joke. Every time I've told it in front of a crowd, it's always done well. No, I, I know, you know it's it's, like it's it's tough to telling that. But, but I think you guys hit on hit on something where, um, you know, for the it seems like for the most part, the the libertarians I get along with uh, most are the ones who are humorous. You know, who who actually have a sense of humor. Who uh, and in particular lately, it's been it's been anarchists. I'm like shit. Yeah. All my fucking ANCAP friends, like you. Thank you guys for being the sane ones during, uh, you know, during all the <laughs> during all this shit. Um, you know, enjoy. I've been enjoying, you know, people like like Pete Quinones and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and and cats like that. And uh, um, yeah. Well, well, well I guess. I, do you think yeah, there's something to that though? Right. So you, I, I think you hit on uh, something that might kind of be a, a key to. Not a coincidence. Not a, yeah, not a coincidence, you know, because we're talking like the Mises caucus ha tends to have a lot more and caps. It's, it's more again, it's more very core to the message of, of libertarianism, more the Rothbardian. Um, it's but I think that's up, not like I mean, the, the candidate that they ran for, I mean, for um, the president for presidential nomination in 2020, Jacob Horberger, he's not an AMCAP, he's a minarchist. State he states he's a minarchist, so true. They're what they care about is the the big issues, and if you're on well, board with those issues, then they're on board with you. Well, hold on, I, I'm not I'm not trying to just suck a Mises caucus dick. Hold on, so broader broad perspective to what to what uh, Lou's talking about, but I think ANCAPs. Here's the reason: is because when you look at ANCAP and the way you like when you accept that mindset, right? Of okay, anarcho-capitalist. For those who don't know, is kind of like you know, it's it's no rulers. That's what anarchy means, and it's been adopted and and poisoned. But that's what it means. And capitalist, so free market, no rulers. That I think, if you're a, if you accept that worldview and you think about it, the people that understand it that wrap their heads around it are pretty much like, what the fuck ever, man. Like you know, we accept there's a certain amount of risk in the world. There's a certain amount of anarchy that's inherent in everything we do, and that is comedy. You have to have a sense of humor about it because look, shit cannot go your way. You can go, you can do everything right. That's why you know status plan. It's you can plan out everything for the state to, to do this, that, and the other. It's not going to go right. So I think people did accept that worldview, and they said, "Look, I can use a little bit of anarchy. I don't want rulers. I don't want people telling me what to do because I want to own myself. I want to think for myself." Those people probably have a better sense of humor and a better grasp on what comedy is, what what the world is, and can appreciate when you you know when you walk down the street. And you bend over to pick up a $5 bill and you're like, hey, a crisp $5 bill. And then you take another step forward and you fall in a manhole. That's fucking life, man. It's funny. It's ironic. That's like, that's that's the real world. It's not this fucking, you know, picture that everybody is uh, painting. That's it. We're Boom, out. mic drop. I just ended <laughs> the episode. Well, uh, <laughs> well, well, maybe we could talk, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, you guys uh, being in California and, 
uh, under normal circumstances, you know, you're, uh, you know, Brian pulled all of his hair out of his head, just dealing with, uh, <laughs> with, with California. I burned it off in traffic, man. This <laughs> fucking I took rage, it. fury burned all the hair off the top of my head. But, you know, what, a you know, how's it been, you know, the past, you know, over, I mean, we're over a year now. Um, how are you guys, how are you guys holding up? What, what are, you know, what, what hopes do you have? How do you see things going? And uh, talk about that. Well, Mark ran away to Mexico. Metafluzy, married her. <laughs> <laughs> That's the short version, but all true. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm in LA now. I did spend three months in Mexico over the summer when I was uh, on furlough from my job. But uh, no, I mean, I, I, this state already had shitty politics for a libertarian uh, and this city specifically, but it was just, I always looked at it as yeah, kind of one of the prices I pay to live in a cool place and to live mm -hmm. in a place with awesome weather and where I have a lot of friends and where I can go get dinner of any kind I want at any at any night. Um, but that stuff is so is just been sucked out. I mean, the life has been sucked out of here by by the lockdowns. And but to me, it's more so even when these lockdowns are starting to be lifted, they just announced they're going to start even letting Disney World open up back in April. Woo. Um, it, it's the culture that is bothering me now more than anything else because the culture has become um, not to knock your whatever your stance may be on masks. But when I walk my dogs without a mask on alone, I don't believe I should wear a mask. Oh, oh no, I'm 100% I'm yeah. with you there. Right. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm for wearing a mask like. Sure, you know, yeah. if I'm going to be indoors with an, right. an elderly person and exactly. I, oh yeah, I mean, that, you know, I that, as well, that, 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 that sort of, uh, that, that sure. sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause you're a regular reasonable person, <laughs> right. but here, like you're looked at like a psychopath, like you're the psychopath. If you're not wearing a mask outdoors, I mean, right. I, I mm -hmm. went hiking the other week and it, it's, it's kind of funny now. It's like, I can identify who the enemy is sort of not to make it about enemies and whatever, but it kind of feels that way. Like when I ever went on the trail has a mask, I mean, you're, you're, you're brainwashed. You're, you're, you're not yeah. someone I'm going to be able to communicate with, especially when you're looking at me, like I'm about to kill you by my act of not wearing a mask. And then once in a while, you'll see a fellow traveler with no mask on. And you're like, ah, oh, fine. Oh, you do a nod. You do a little, yeah. Uh, yeah. I like, I walk by the beach. So Mark's, contact, Mark's yeah. fairly close to me. There's a beach strand walk I used to love to do with my dogs. Now I do it fairly less often, but right by the beach was great. You walk down, you know, I'd be hot girls. Hey, you know, I wouldn't say that because I'm married, but yeah, you know, I think it. So I intentionally, even though I could get a ticket from it and I'll bring a mask to throw on if there's a cop I see, but I intentionally walk down there without a mask on just to tell people, look, this is ridiculous. Like, and that's the thing is like, if, if everybody's complying, then we're never going to get out of this. We're always going to be like, Fauci's like, we may to go back to normal until 2022. Okay, really? Yeah, Why? I was just saying, well, we should probably wear masks every flu season just because that seems to be better. Yeah, but no, masks no. Somehow. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, so you can get ticket. You can get ticketed? In yes. certain I, I, so in, in Santa in Monica, you can. In uh, Manhattan Beach, you can. Just for wow. not having a mask on outside yep. in general. Yeah. Wow. They will ticket you for not having a mask on, but that's the point. But I go to, I intentionally go there to flout that, flaunt that, flaunt that, not flout, flautas, delicious, delicious, uh, to flaunt that. And, and, but like Mark said, you walk down the street and you see somebody else without a mask and it's like, thank you. Uh, people thank will you walk, friend people for will not being me. an idiot. They will walk across the street running, basically running away from me when they see me approaching without a mask. Well, I've, there's I've a had, woman going to just walk by them and give them yeah. COVID and they're going to die. In the well, street. Dude, I, I can't tell you the amount of times because I'm in I'm in Brooklyn. And when we're outside and we're walking, we don't wear a mask because we're God outside. We are outside. And you know what? Air is really good, it, especially when you've been <laughs> yeah. cooped up in a fucking apartment, you know, for most of the day. We, we have a we have a baby. Um, and the amount of times where I, I wish people would just cross the street that's fine this one dude uh we were um, he was all the way at the end of the block we're walking he crosses the street and then comes back in the middle of the street and says why don't you show some respect <laughs> and and at oh, so no it's about respect not yeah, about at, health oh, okay. exactly <laughs> at no point at no point was this guy within 15 feet of us and, and, well, Lou, and yeah. i hope you threw your baby to him 
when he catches the baby, you punch him in the stomach. <laughs> the old Think gypsy trick. Eh? <laughs> but, but but it's one it's one of those things where where uh, it, it's getting to the point where there is no rational conversation that you could have. I, I saw a couple of people uh, on Twitter who, uh, according to their bios, they you know they worked in the medical field and they've been vaccinated. Right. Mm. And they say, I've been vaccinated, but I still wear my mask outside. So other people are not afraid. Right. So, so, yeah. so other people aren't afraid. And that's like, but wait a minute, they shouldn't be afraid. Exactly. You know, you're missing an opportunity to, to, to even have a conversation and just say, oh, no, no, actually, uh, just so you know, what we're doing here is OK. You yeah, know. we're vaccinated. We are vaccinated. Don't be afraid. Well, that's the thing is, it's all it's like anything based on fear. Mean, everything. I'm just going to tell people I'm vaccinated because I am. Yeah, I'm not afraid. Yeah. That's a vaccine to me. Yeah. Well, it's like anything. Everything the government does is based on fear on some level. Right. Right. The way the state operates is they get control based upon, OK, fear of what if I lose my job? Fear of what if my oh, I can't take care of my kid? Fear of what if I can't take care of my health? Fear of what if I can't, you know, again, that with the mask thing, what if this this uh, plague is going to spread? Fear of what if terrorists come upon me? And what have they done with it? It's turned, you know, this this tiny government into this massive overarching super spreader government. Yeah, we talk about super spreaders. Our government like is a fucking one. super spreader. It is the, this, this event is the super spreader for our government. That is what it is. And it's sickening to me because to your point, you should be going out there if you got vaccinated saying, you don't need to wear a mask. Let's normalize this shit. And the fact that people, it goes back to all these psychopaths that fetishized uh, the virtue signaling and like uh, accepting the lockdowns, right? It's like a state of mind. At this point, we've reached a point, right? A, a year into this, we've seen like 50% of restaurants shut down. Like 50% of small businesses shut down. We're seeing people's lives destroyed. The people that supported this from the get-go are like, you know, to make a poker reference, they are pot committed. They cannot say, oh, you're right. This logically makes no sense because that would make them bad people for destroying these people's lives and for shaming people and going along with this shit from the get-go. Mm -hmm. They are so committed now that they will go to it to the ends of the earth, What? Ever Fauci says they will accept. It doesn't matter what scientific evidence is to the contrary, because they will be bad people. They will. It's like, you know, let's let's use everybody's favorite example: the Nazis, right? If you're a Jew, or if you're not a Jew, if you're a German and you're a Nazi in the Nazi Party, and all the scientific data comes out that the Jews are the best people, the healthiest, the best, the best for society, which is true, and you're like, well, we killed six million of them. Can't go back. I can't go back now because that makes me a real shitty person. You have to fucking push through. That's what all of these people are. That's what half of America or more is doing. They're pushing through because if they dare to admit they were wrong, that makes them bad people and they know it because they've destroyed I, people's lives. I think our best hope is that it will go away because it will go away. It is going away. It wasn't even here as much as they tried to act like it was here, but uh, is that they'll just accept that it was the vaccine and they'll cheer that Joe Biden got us the vaccine in time yeah. and let us move on with their lives. But I don't really feel like that's really going to happen either, but you know, I, well, I do, I do, I, I do wonder too. So, um, uh, I have a, I have a son. He's going to be one, um, at the, uh, at the end of March. All right, congrats, a, bud. Oh, and, my and my that, daughter just turned one like a month ago. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it could be a future Liberty couple in the world. So. Little arranged hey, marriage. Hey, hey, I don't know. I, I hey, we can bring the worst back. picture. We're bringing <laughs> Jesus is coming into the Libertarian I, Party. We should. I, uh, he's, I, he's in favor of uh, arranged marriages, so maybe. Uh, I like it. Well, I'm, I'm worried about matching my kid up with uh, with Lou's kid because I took a picture of him. He did a comedy show in L.A. I came to, and I took a selfie of the two of us, and it has to be the worst picture ever taken of Lou <laughs> in the history of his life. He looks like a swamp monster. It's fucking Oh, did I, I, I? Yeah, I, I look like a greasy fucking used car salesman. <laughs> it's like the way and like it's the angle of it. It was like every, the lighting was horrible. It looks like you have the some worst. sort of, of immune deficiency disease. It's great. But, you know, like um, uh, I've had quite a few people, you know, ask me, you know, are you, are you hopeful for the future? And the way that I look at it is like, I have no choice, man. I got to be hopeful. 
And if you don't have hope, you got to create your own hope. I'm a fucking father, man. I I have, um, and I actually have a another one. uh, We have another one coming uh, on the on the way. It was so much fun making the first guy. Look at that! These fucking these these goddamn Hispanics. They pump out the kids. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) dude. The fact that I made I made it. Sons of bitches. (laughs) I made it out of high school without getting a chick pregnant is pretty fucking amazing. But um, well, that you know of. Yeah, that 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 I know. Um, But. You know, it's it's one of these things where I'm dealing with people who are some of them are parents and they're fucking doom and gloom. Uh, there was a recent thing, I, you know, on Facebook uh, every now and then, like somebody I don't remember or like I haven't heard from in five years will will post something. And this guy is a father and was talking about how he's worried about every night. He's worried about um, his kids dying in a uh, a climate related uh, oh. weather event. And like, like he's, he's, he's so afraid of that. And then I shared with him and, you know, an article just about, Oh, well, actually, you know, uh, over the past 50 years, like climate related weather deaths, like from hurricanes, yeah. from drought are down like 90 fucking percent. That's amazing. That's something to be really yeah. thankful about. And then he's like, and then he shared with me a CNN article about how there's going to be <laughs> an excess of 250,000 deaths. And it's like, but, but what are you going to do about it, man? What yeah. the fuck can you do, man? You got to, well, you... dude, you know, I, I, so I was on, um, actually, actually, coincidentally, um, I was on a panel with your, your former, uh, pal out here, Toby. Oh, Toby. Uh, yeah. Toby, uh, Mursoriano, Mursoriano. Oh, Toby Mursoriano. I said it wrong every time. I didn't even have him on the show. I said it wrong. I was on his it's show. It's a mark of so... honor to have your name mispronounced. Yeah. <laughs> So I was on this, like, he was supposed to do these panel uh, shows. There was stand-up comedy, right? And then you you do the panel. And so I'm on there. It's, you know, it's me and Toby and, and um, JC. Uh, oh God, I'm blanking her name. Another stand-up comedian who's become very involved in the climate movement and a climate scientist and all this other shit. So it's basically a stack deck against me. But the point I made to these people, I'm like, you know, you guys are all doom and gloom and how the world's going to end. Like, you know, like you would have said, Lou, Real fun at parties. The, the lowest number of yeah, the lowest number of climate deaths, climate related deaths. Why? What's well, it's you know, human ingenuity, man. Figuring out solutions to this. If you really thought climate change was that big of an issue, if you if this was honestly a, a real life altering, life threatening problem, we would figure it out. All of our resources would be pouring into solving that. Not only because it's the future of the human race, but because financially. That would be where the money flows. We're free market people. If the future is fucking finding ways to cap climate, to recapture carbon from the atmosphere and change climate change, that's what I'm investing in. And that's where everybody's money is going to. The fact that that's not happening tells me everything I need to know, period. The climate's not a problem. The future is, the future is bright. I'm white-pilled on this matter. And I think that everything that's been happening this past year, the next generation coming up, that's been sitting in their houses, that's had a fucking year of their lives taken away from them, they are not going to go along with this shit ever. Yeah. Ever. They're going to rage against Again. They are going to be, yeah, they're going to rage against the goddamn machine, man. They're going to come out, they're going to be, they just, these fucking assholes just created a generation of libertarians. I'm telling you. Let's hope. I don't know if I'm as white-pilled as you on that. I'm feeling more confident about it by the day, buddy. I'm telling you. I'm I'm worried about the kids that are like the literal toddlers that are growing up in mask world that are growing up afraid to have their masks off because they don't think they're safe with masks. Well, on. I, when How I say next generation, look at me without one on. Yeah. That 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 that's one of the hardest things walking around the neighborhood. Hey, it's one thing you know I'm walking by adults who have their masks on. You know, you have your fucking three year old kid outside with a mask on like that. Man, that, that that's really really tough to. Uh, I was out watch. walking the other month, and uh, there was you know, it was, uh, two families kind of like biking together. It seemed like they were just people that knew each other, but they all had masks on. And then at one point, they, <laughs> they, like, they got off the masks, they got off the bikes, and like these two kids were trying to play, and the parents were like, "No, no, you can't play with each other. You can't." It's just like it's so unnatural. It's so, and this is for kids who are basically can't be harmed by this at all. I mean, it, it's just it's just crazy. It's well, sad. you know, my toddler is your is your uh, son in daycare? Do you put him in daycare? No, no, we're um uh, just he's he's with the the two of us all the time. 
Awful. Well, he's going to be growing up to be a terrible child, clearly. <laughs> no, so, so my kid, fortunately, we have a daycare that's open, right? My my daughter Logan's about one and one year, two months. I don't know. I don't do the fucking months counting thing. That's for idiots. So one year, two months. But she goes to daycare. They don't wear masks. Like the teachers have masks on, which is upsetting. But right. at least the kids don't have masks on. They're running around. They're interacting. They're drooling. You know, again, I'm sick right now because my daughter came home with a you didn't snot. wear your mask. Yeah, but but good. I'm like, you know, good. In a way, good. I'm glad she's getting sick. I'm glad, her, like, they're talking about right now how that's our gonna immune be, that, systems. That's going to be isolated audio for to, uh, to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> Libertarian podcaster is glad his daughter is sick. Podcaster calls for his daughter to die. So, but that's the thing. It's like, I just read an article and this is the science I believe. We're wearing masks around everywhere. We're staying in our houses. We are now setting ourselves up for a real pandemic. Not one that has a 99.8 survival rate. Our immune systems are going to be shot from not dealing with, ex- with the outside world for adapting to these viruses. That's my concern. So I want my daughter to go out and get sick. I go out and I, I push her in dog shit. I sh- push her like a wheelbarrow, you know, to get her all <laughs> dolled up, get that immune system pushed up. But I mean, that's a, that's a real worry. Not COVID, not wearing a mask everywhere you go and not the flu disappearing, which everybody clearly has the flu and their marketing is COVID. I have, have I been sick? I'm wondering if I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the last time that I've, uh, that I've been sick. I've been, if, de- if your I've, kid was in daycare, trust me, you would have been sick seven times because they bring, they're carriers of disease. Jeez. Um, that's pretty, but I bet uh, you haven't. Cause I mean, you haven't, you haven't, if you're going outside, right. You haven't interacted. Nobody's I. That's why I don't send my wife to daycare. I don't want her bringing anything home. <laughs> <laughs> I keep her chained up in the bathroom where she belongs. So uh, be, before we go, guys, um, what are, you know, what are some, some hopes for the future? You know, say like, uh, how, how are we going to, you know, we're in March, it's March right now. We're closing out the year. What would you like to see happen, you know, before the year's out? Hmm. Before the year's out. I have one, well, Mark. I think I'd like to see that. the absolute end of lockdowns as even a conversation. Uh, that's what I'd like to see. I don't know if that's, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think there are certain states like, it's hard for me to believe that Florida will ever lock down again because they they only locked down for two weeks. The governor said we're not going to do this again. Obviously, that can change if the politics change. But I just can't imagine the people of Florida and the people that are now moving to Florida in droves accepting that when they were just not locked down this whole time and had better numbers than California that locked the entire freaking state down. So I, I have glimmers of hope that there are at least areas of the country and of the world that will that will reject this narrative entirely. And that's the kind of place I want to live. So hopefully there will at least be, uh, you know, areas of hope, geographic areas of hope. Uh, People can build their own communities. Uh, I think the overall direction, the overarching direction of the greater narratives of of the government and where things are going, not very good. Uh, We're $30 trillion in debt almost. Uh, That's going to be 40 by the end of of next year, at the rate that they're producing, uh, you know, printing money. I think stimulus is going to become a regular word in the political dialogue. It's going to be every three months. It's time for a stimulus. And this is unsustainable. So I I think for the actual future of the United States as a country, I'm not very optimistic, but I am optimistic (laughs) of the future for, for pockets of freedom. See, I'm, I, I'll go the opposite way. I'm more optimistic than Mark. I think that- Well, you have to be, because you're stuck here. Uh, well, yeah, but here's the, I, I think that, like I was saying earlier, I think that things have been overplayed. I think that the government overplayed its hand. I think that big tech has overplayed its hand. I think that we're in for a, a revolution as far as people's understanding of how big tech influences our lives, what they control and don't, because we're seeing as COVID gets exposed as the fucking hoax it is. And I'm not saying- the COVID doesn't exist. I'm not saying it's not a virus. I'm not saying it wasn't contagious, but they, we were lied to. We were lied to. We were locked down. We were shut up our lives. People's lives were ruined over a disease, the 98.8% survival rate for the, the majority of the population. As we see this come out, as we see the facts come out, we're going to see big tech censoring, right? What would have been accepted, right? They censored what would have been considered fact now? Good, Lou. I think you want you want to say something. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Okay, listening. you're making. You, I mean, were you just making kissy faces? You were like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> this this uh, is the part where I practice <laughs> kissing. So. <laughs> the last but, five minutes of the show is always when he's yeah. Yeah. That in. But but look, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Google, they all 
Twitter, they all said they, they're shutting down disinformation, right? They've overplayed their fucking hand because COVID was such a shifting target. And as we, they didn't know enough that they're shutting down the flow of information. Same thing with the flow of information from political aspects, the New York Post story with Hunter Biden. Right. I think that we're going to see people waking up far more than continuing to be asleep. And I think that we're in for actually, from our perspective, a lot more of a hopeful period over the next five, 10 years than, than you would imagine. I think people, um, you know, people are morons, but I think they're not this stupid. And it's just become too apparent how blatant the manipulation of data information, how blatant the establishment and uh, control from the top down has become where people start to say no more. Well, yeah. it's it's strengthening the divide too because there's there's a portion of the population that is, is exactly who Brian's talking about that they see through this. It's so obvious that it's sort of radicalizing them away from the mainstream narrative. Uh, you know, where at the same time you have basically the other half of the population who buys into it so strongly and they think it's so obvious these are the correct narratives that I, I it's really hard for me to see this ever being a, a quote unquote unified country in any way. And not that it ever really was. That's always been a bit of a myth, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have great, great hopes for national politics or anything like that, but I have a lot of hope for just individuals, what, what people can do on their own. I, I mean, I think the possibilities are, are limitless actually on that end. I think that, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think uh, one of the one of the great things to come out of the whole uh, Trump presidency is that it was just sort of a, just letting people behind the curtain, just seeing just how these institutions cannot be trusted. And ultimately you have to trust in yourself, those you love, the people around you. And I think throughout all this stuff, I think the people who um, have remained sane, who have remained rational and who have remained, um, you know, have, have uh, maintained their integrity. I think they're really going to rise to the top and more people are going to, going to see it. And I hope, I hope uh, the libertarian party is, uh, is, you know, party to that. And thank you guys for definitely being uh, two of those peeps uh, that, that I look, uh, that I look to, and I hope more people will. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Claire, Brian McWilliams, Lions of Liberty, Electric Liberty Land, Please tune in to these fellas. Uh, they're doing great work. And if you're ever in Los Angeles, say hello. Yeah, nice. damn well right, man. Well, Lou, you need to book a trip to Los Angeles, my friend. I really because, want to come. Right? Yeah, I would love to. Come on out, man. You know what? Once this let's stuff opens up, let's all go to Disneyland. They're opening up April first. <laughs> well, let's say like uh, we have enough. We have enough uh, of a following here, and we're connected with enough libertarians out here. We can put together a good show. You know, you could do some stand up or some sketches. I'll do some stand up. We'll uh, we'll enlist some other people. I think we can. I'll have a dust good off my old stand up routine for my. Mark my is actually not bad. I'm not gonna lie. But anyway, Mark, Lou already gave his sign off. We're just wasting time now. So thank Lou. Thank you for having us on, man. This is awesome. Uh, I appreciate everything you're doing, brother. And I've always been a huge fan of everything that you have been doing. And uh, your skits are amazing. So keep it Same up. Same here, up. man. You've been killing it. So keep up the great work. Yeah. Thank appreciate you, guys. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to support the show, please head over to theluperez.locals.com and go ahead and support my sponsors. Black Organic Cold Brew, head over to www.blvckbrew.com and use the promo code LU for free shipping. And if you head over to Paloma Verde, www.palomaverdestore.com and use the promo code LU, you'll get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you sign up for email, you'll get an extra 10% off. All right, later.